Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Dr. Saeed, who is a child neurology program director. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure to talk with you today, Simone. So where are you an attending physician and what is your official position title? Yes. So I am a child neurology program director at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. Um, I've been here for 17 years and have been a program director here for the child neurology residency for that long. I'm a professor of pediatrics and neurology and my primary field is in pediatric epilepsy. Wow. So you have a lot of experience in this program director seat. So we'd like to start our podcast with some rapid fire questions in order to learn a little bit about you and your application into child neurology. Were you AOA? So I actually graduated from the University of Jordan Faculty of Medicine. So I'm a proud international medical grad. So we don't have AOA in our international programs. How cool. And then what about Gold's Humanism? Does that exist? Yeah, it doesn't, although probably I would have won it. <laughs> and do you have like any funny interview stories or deficiencies in your own application that you can help share with us? You know, I think being an international grad, you're always kind of coming to it a little bit from a, a position of feeling maybe not as confident, but um, so I'm from Jordan and I go to somewhere in the Midwest. I'm not going to tell you the name of the program in the winter, of course, because of interviews and it's a beautiful facility, wonderful program. And then they start telling us how you park outside and you get to your car and the little key, nobody understands this anymore. Everybody has remote entry, but back in the day you had to put your key in the little hole and they would say you would get there it's like a 20 minute shuttle drive and you couldn't put your key in and I thought there is no way I am going to go to a residency program where you can't even get to your call post car post call and I thought no I, I'm, I'm not going to any tundras <laughs> Well, that is a great story. It really showcases the fact that sometimes in-person interviews can help in that regard to learn a little bit more about the climate when you go to visit. But it sounds like virtual interviews will be what we are doing from here on out. And there are lots of benefits to that. But I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how we can think about the child neurology programs that we might want to apply to, especially in a time where we may not be able to visit the actual city. You know, I think the first thing that you want to do is think about geography, where you would be comfortable living, uh, you know, going back to my story. The next is maybe the size of the program. Child neurology residency programs typically take anywhere from one to maybe some of our larger programs have six residents a year, but that's certainly when you compare it to like surgery or internal medicine or even pediatrics, those are much smaller programs. And so there can be positives in a smaller program, really into you get to know everyone really well. But if you want a little more flexibility, a larger one might be a, a good option for you. And then 
I think that you want to also have a strong pediatrics program. You know, you're going to be a child neurologist. And so getting those two years of pediatrics in a place where you know you'll get outstanding education before you move on to pediatric neurology um, is really vital. And a program that seems to have good relationships between adult neurology, child neurology, and pediatrics, because um, I think that's just so much more conducive for a wonderful educational experience, that culture of the program. And what makes child neurology so unique is the fact that you describe how it entails adult neurology curriculum, also pediatrics, and then also child neurology. And so can you explain how programs might differ in terms of the curriculum that they offer in terms of those three fields intertwined within the five years? So what we know is that any ACGME program wherever it is, is going to give you outstanding education. They're all accredited and there's lots of checks and balances to make sure that we're offering educational experiences. But there can be differences in really more often the first two years of pediatrics, those are pretty similar. Although, so for example, at our program, we decided that some of the supervisory roles were putting a really heavy burden on just in-service time. So we got really creative about what that supervisory role for the child neurology, upcoming child neurology could look, resident could look like. The biggest differences I think might be on how your adult 12 months are structured. And so some programs you start after you've done two years of peds and you do straight full year of adult neurology. That was sort of how my training was. And that can be wonderful because you're fully immersed in adult neurology while still maintaining your own pediatric neurology continuity clinic. But it also could feel a little removed, like you want to be a child neurologist and where is that? Where are your people? and and so forth. And so some programs divide it up. And that's what we do is that you'll do maybe two to three months of adult neurology and then a month of child neurology back and forth. So practically, you'll end up doing about eight to nine months of adult neurology in your first year with the remaining three to four in your second year where you also get to have a little bit more of a supervisory role. That's been positive for us because it allows our residents to identify research projects much earlier. And you really get to know those senior residents in your your program um, because you're working with them, um, not just sort of they're in their senior year and you're kind of doing your adult year. And there are so many great programs, like you said, you know, if they do have the ACGME accreditation, they are going to fit and have certain curriculum and certain measures that are important for your training. And there are about 74 child neurology programs, as well as eight neurodevelopmental disabilities programs within those. And so I'm curious for an applicant, how many child neurology programs should they apply to? You know, this is a great question because we have data. And what we know is that if, as long as there's no major deficiency, like you failed an exam or you didn't pass a course, for the most part, the research shows that you need to apply to about 10 programs. Now, if you have other constraints or geography is really important, or maybe couples matching, that's a that's a little bit tougher, then I might expand that number. And so I have seen applicants who've applied to, you know, 18 programs or 22. I think that's pretty excessive. But if you if you have a nervousness or a circum, special circumstance, I do encourage applicants to talk to their faculty advisor at their local institution. 
And, you know, that brings me to the point of you do have these places you're applying and let's say you get a few interviews that you're super excited about. Are there any tips that you would recommend for someone to stand out in order to tell the program director, hey, this is like my top choice and I'm super excited about going here? The most important thing, I think, is to truly be authentic we can tell, the way you can tell, the way the applicant can tell if we're authentic, the programs can tell if an applicant is being authentic. The other thing is don't put anything on your resume that you're not prepared to talk about because everything is kind of like open game. What that means is don't inflate something that you've done. We all were pipetting something once in a lab or doing a database review. There's no shame to that. You know, that's sort of part of the growing of being a physician. And so if that's what your role was, just write it down, be proud of it. Don't try and make it seem like, you know, you were discovering it. Now, if you did, that also should be lauded and let us know. But you know, that truth and authenticity is really important. The That extends to you know, saying, I'm really interested. To be honest and doing this for 17 years, you sort of get a sense that many people say they're very interested, but it feels like maybe they're speed dating. So, you know, I would truly save it to those programs that you really are interested in, but know that because of NRMP match rules, we really aren't allowed to say, oh, we're going to rank you so-and-so. It's just really not allowed. And programs that do tell you that maybe make you feel good, but they're kind of uh, skirting the rules a bit. And let's say that I don't get an interview and I really want to end up at your program. Do you think that it's worthwhile during interview season to email that program director and ask them if there's any potential for them to review their application a second time? Definitely. I think that our program and many others have really pivoted to holistic review and just due to the sheer number of, of applications, even though we do a thoughtful deep dive, our residency recruitment committee, sometimes, you know, you might miss something. And so if you're really interested, I would definitely reach out. I would copy the program coordinator. I would tell them that you're interested and could you re-look at it? And um, in all fairness, I, I have, um, you know, given someone a, an interview slot. The other issue may just be that interview slots get full. And so don't be discouraged there either. People do cancel. And so again, you know, saying, can I be on a cancellation list or if something changes, especially with a virtual model where you're not having to get on a plane, I think it's a lot uh, easier to kind of squeeze in interviews, whereas before you couldn't. And let's say that we make it to the interview, we are super excited about a specific program. What are some tips that you have in order to best prepare for your interview? Because it does seem like from child neurology's perspective, you may have both a pediatric interview and a child neurology interview at some programs. Exactly. And, and in ours, we do that too, because, you know, you spend two years somewhere in the PEDS side. We want them to be just as thrilled to have you as we are. And you're spending two years of your life there. I think it's also important for you to meet with them and talk to them. And so doing your homework a little bit shows that you're more interested. You know, who are you meeting with? We will always send out kind of an itinerary of your day, who you're going to meet with, what their position is beforehand. You don't have to know every single thing in their resume, but certain 
questions that that show that you kind of understand who we are and not just the generic ones are important because that's maybe how you compare one program to another. But if there's something specific or unique about us that you want to ask about, I think that really shows that you're that we're more interested, uh, that you were more interesting to you. But don't stress about it because a part of the interview process really is also to learn and maybe a program you thought may be important, but not your top choice, you hear something and and you learn something about it that you're like, okay, this is really great. And it changes how you think about it. So also go in kind of open-minded without any preconceived ideas about what it may or may not be. And part of the interview process typically also involves meeting with a program director and having them interview you. So let's put you back in the chair of an applicant and pretend that you are interviewing at Tufts where you did your residency. What sorts of questions would you ask the program director in order to learn more about their program? I think the things that are really important are what does your research program look like? Do you have actual time to do that? Do you have actual mentors? What resources are available to you? What is the process for finding your passion? Is there flexibility in your electives, in your time while you're doing uh, outpatient rotations? What is the breadth of the program? What specialties and subspecialties are available to you? Do the faculty that you are so excited to work with, do they actually work with residents or are they more likely to kind of be in a tower somewhere doing amazing research, but don't really interact with the trainees? And then probably just the culture of the program, you know, what is the method for resolving disputes? Um, How do residents, uh, what do they do when they're done with their program? I think when you see a program that, for example, has a high retention of their graduates, you you can get a little bit of insight that, okay, they must must value their education because they are hiring the people they trained. And the residents sort of know the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? They've been there for five years. And if they want to stay on as faculty, that's probably also a really good clue. That is one of my favorite clues to determine whether or not residents were happy and then to see how they evolve as clinicians, as faculty members within the department. And so let's, you know, find the interviews over. We've completed all of them, which are incredibly exhausting. What is your take on writing thank you notes to everyone that you've interviewed with or the program director and the program coordinator? So I might be a little old-fashioned, While I don't think it's mandatory to send a follow-up, thank you. It is 100% not mandatory, and we don't think less of anyone who doesn't do it. I think that a personal note sort of means that, that we made an impression. And now I don't think you have to send it to the whole panel of people who interviewed with you, unless you really had a special connection with someone. But if you really felt like this was something that stood out, that really felt meaningful, then at that point, I would send it because it seems like just a kind courtesy. Yes. And you never know when you're going to run into any of these people down the line that you've interviewed with. They can be your future boss or even your future colleague when you're done with your child neurology residency, or even when you're applying for a fellowship, they could be the ones reviewing your application. Yeah, you know, I always say I am not interviewing residents to come to my residency. I am interviewing future colleagues. 
Wow. Well, that is definitely something that everyone should think about when they're going on the interview trail and really understand the importance of kindness when talking with a program coordinator or anyone that's involved in interviewing applicants. Definitely. We do ask every single person the applicants interact with to give us feedback. And remember that the meet and greet at night in whatever capacity, in person or virtual, it's still part of the interview. Very true. And this whole process ends with a ranking of programs, which is very stressful for both the applicants and I'm sure the program as well. So what tips do you have for an applicant to consider when they put together their rank list and finalize it? I think the most important thing is as soon as you're done with the interview, you know, that night, definitely before by the next morning, write down your impressions it's really hard to remember some of the details. Just like, it doesn't have to be super detailed, but just an overall, like, what did I feel? Did I have a good feeling about it? Was I excited? Did they seem enthusiastic? Just your own personal note. So just that general impression. And then maybe within a day or two after, just kind of make your little pros and cons list and try and be really consistent with every time you go on an interview. So at the end of the time, I'm kind of a spreadsheet person. You make your list of pros and cons for each program. And that will really help you because I think the biggest issue is wait a minute, that other program interviewed me in, in, in November and I'm now doing another interview early February and, and programs start to run into each other. So I think doing that really helps. How did you feel? And then if you weren't sure about something before you do your rank list, reach out to the program director or maybe the chief resident and say, hey, I had a couple of questions. We always value that. And then take all of that together and look at like, would you actually want to live here? Because if you truly wouldn't want to live here, then you're not going to be happy. Did you leave with a good feeling? If you thought, well, I didn't really have a great feeling, but you know, they've got all these famous people and that would be fantastic. Remember, it's five years of your life. It's not a week, a month, or even a year. So pick that really carefully. The second thing, uh, so that's the second, and maybe the last thing is how did you get a feeling that the residents were happy and engaged? Because if they're not happy and engaged, and they seem like regular people that could be your friends, then it's likely that there's something going on that maybe never came out and was intangible, but trust your gut feeling. Well, one cool thing that I love is to check out the residency social media page as well to also get an understanding of how people interact inside the hospital and outside the hospital, which brings me to the point of Peds Neuro UTSW certainly has a pretty cool social media page for Twitter and Instagram. So it's definitely something applicants should check out when they're reviewing programs, not only to prepare for the interview, but also to learn a little bit more when ranking their programs. Well, I'm grinning from ear to ear right here because we work, um, we have a content meeting every Monday evening with our social media team, which is myself and another one of our faculty. And uh, we really try and put out content that we think is interesting and hopefully useful and probably entertaining at some level. So uh, thank you for that. It's nice to know that somebody's actually liking it and logging on. 
Well, it's recommended from us to all applicants to definitely take a look at social media pages when making those decisions, even where to apply. So you have shared with us so many tips about preparing through this entire process. Is there anything else you'd like to offer about the application or the residency interview process for child neurology? I just think that it's very easy to go through the trail, if you will, and to just kind of get a little discouraged. And it seems like everybody's doing amazing things and everybody is wonderful. And where do you fit in that? And I just would say, relax, breathe, be authentic. Don't ask the program director about the call schedule, really. Just ask the chief residents. That's what they're here to do. Don't waste that question. And my last piece of advice is never tell us oh, I have no more questions. They've all been answered by the prior person. We don't, we don't know what you asked the prior person. Ask again, maybe you'll learn something different. It shows that you're engaged. And also sometimes when people share the same answer, it can really showcase that the program is aligned and on the same page when it comes to some of their deficiencies, some things they're excited about, or some things that they're looking forward to doing in the future. Definitely. Well, you have shared with us so many tips about child neurology, but now we want to hear a fun fact about you. So can you share a fun fact about yourself totally unrelated to medicine? Well, I have a twin sister and I went to medical school actually with her. And I don't actually know how people go to medical school without having a twin. That seems like it would be so horrid, but apparently the most of the world does that. So, and I did meet my husband in medical school. So I guess my advice is bring a friend and fall in love. It makes the journey a little bit more pleasant. Well, it sounds like a family affair. And now I'm curious, did your sister choose child neurology as well? No, she's an adult rheumatologist. <laughs> Very cool. Well, that's all the time we have with Dr. Saeed. Thanks for joining us in Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome leader in medical education.